Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, my guest is Holden Mars, and we talk about a little bit of everything. So no matter what you're into, there's something just for you on today's episode. We're talking tall bikes, hot rods, fixed gears, the Fort Worth Dallas scene, and the Race Across Texas 1,000 mile race that Holden has done two times. So we had a broad range of topics that we covered and had a great chat, and I'm really looking forward to you hearing it. I hope you like it as much as I did. But before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. If you enjoy these episodes and you would like to help produce these shows, a great way to do that is through Patreon. You can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. And this week's newest patrons are Christopher Rahili and Michelle Jensen. We also had a patron increase their pledge, so we'd like to thank Ash Warner for increasing his monthly pledge and donation to the podcast. Again, we cannot produce these episodes without your support, and we greatly appreciate all of our patrons. Now, I'd like to also welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and this one is a big one. This one is Panorama Cycles. Maybe you haven't heard of Panorama. Uh, they've actually been around for seven years. They're based out of Canada, and they're fans of the podcast. They reached out to me recently, wondering how they could be involved with the podcast, and we wound up hitting it off. And not only are they going to be sponsors of the podcast, but me, yours truly, the new sales rep for the United States, and I should mention the only sales rep in the United States. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about this company. Their tagline is Backcountry Bicycles, and really everything that they produce is with the cycling adventurist in mind. I recently got their gravel bike, which is the Cataden, and it's a gravel bike. It weighs, I think, 19 pounds, super light. It's so much fun to ride. And some things that really stand out about this bike are that it comes with internal dynamo routing for your dynamo hub. It's got internal routing for a dropper post, threadless bottom brackets, and super friendly geometry for longer distances. They make a lot more bikes, so I think you should go check them out over at panoramacycles.com. And if you're wanting one in North America, they ship to North America, but we are looking to open up new accounts. There's nobody currently in the United States selling these bikes, and I intend to change that. So if you're a bike shop owner or if you want to go into your local bike shop and put a bug in their ear, it wouldn't hurt my feelings any. One of the best things about Panorama, something that really caught my attention, they're the only certified climate neutral bike company in the world right now. Not only that, but they give 1% back to the planet. That's one of the things that really impressed me about this company is they might be a small company, they've only been around for seven years, but they are truly leading the way whenever it comes to sustainable building and sustainable bikes. And as outdoors people, as adventurers, that's something I think we can really get behind. So not only are they a great company, but they're making great bikes. And I'm here to help spread the word. So again, go to panoramacycles.com, check them out. And of course, if you're interested in opening an account or hearing more about this amazing brand, you can email me at bikes at bikesordeath.com or find my contact information on the website, 
bikesordeath.com. One more note about Panorama. I'm actually going to have the owner of Panorama coming on, Simon, uh, and we're going to be talking all things bikes, not just about Panorama bikes, but bikes in general. If you're looking to get a new bike, if you're looking to get into bikepacking, adventure cycling, gravel riding, whatever it is, we're going to give you some tips, some pointers on what to look for, just as an overall rule of thumb. And uh, of course, if you wanted to buy a Panorama, it wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings, but you don't have to. Today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. I started using them because if you've noticed, food options have become increasingly faster and less healthy. Eating healthy these days can actually be kind of challenging. It can be a little bit expensive. It can be harder to find good and healthy options. And it can be harder to get the nutrients and the veggies that your body needs. So for me, I found that Athletic Greens is a great solution to help manage a healthy diet with One delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take mine every morning in about 12 ounces of cold water. And it's a great way to start the day knowing that I gave my body something really good to get the engine going. Now, to make this easy, and we want to make it easy, if you'd like to try Athletic Greens, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death again. That is athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate in daily nutritional insurance. Okay, the bills have been paid and now it is time to get to my chat with Holden Mars. But first, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. doing this is is it's a weird thing how i feel about it and i don't know if anyone else you know people will will be like why are you doing something like crazy like that you know and they're thinking like you're trying to like be better than them or something or like they're like man i don't want to do that like you i i want to do that but i'm not like you and it's like man i'm just like i'm just so grateful to be like out here and like be able to do anything and like you know i want everyone else to feel invited and feel welcomed you know And like, that's why I built this goofy tall bike and stuff is like to like keep myself like, you know, keep it fun. And like, that's like super huge in the cycling and how I got into bikepacking, you know, is just like not just just getting in it my own way and exploring different avenues of it, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's super important. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. Like, 
I, and I, I've talked about this a lot, but one of the really neat things about bikepacking in particular is that we really do celebrate a variety of ways of doing it. And, and the podcast, we do focus a lot on bikepacking, but I mean, it's, it's bikes or death, man. It's ride your damn bike. Yeah. It's, it's, it yeah. doesn't matter. And ride your damn bike means any time, any way, any, any, any reason, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it doesn't, yeah. I, I might talk about one thing, uh, more predominantly, but it, it doesn't matter, man. As long as you're out there spinning the wheels and, and you're having a good time, it's not a competition. It's not a competition, yeah. man. We're all, I, I preach having a good time. Like if you're not having yeah. fun, then what are you doing? You know? So yeah, we lead with that for sure. So yeah, we're going to talk about really? a lot of, a lot of the cool. stuff you do. I'd say the rat is only going to be a segment of it. So, yeah. uh, what are you drinking? Uh, man, I'm drinking a new Belgium voodoo Ranger. Mm, that sounds so good. It's a little, uh, it's a, Huh? And, and water. Good. I'm doing a dry January. Um, I do it every year. So I've got like, what is today? I've got like three days left. Um, so I'm living vicariously through you. I actually have a athletic brewing, uh, non-alcoholic beer, uh, so I can pretend, but, uh, yeah. Hey, honestly, forward. I wish I had a non-alcoholic beer right now, but, uh, but I, I'm kind of need to the help socially lubricate just a, a yeah. slight bit, you know. I don't blame you, man. I I would love to be having a beer right now. So, <laughs> so you got a family? Or are you single guy? What's your situation? Um, I'm like newly in a relationship. You know, I got like my big bike packing thing out of the year, and then I was like, okay, now I got to talk to this girl that I've been thinking about for a couple of years. And I literally was like putting it off because I'm like, I'm like riding my bike so much. And like, I don't want to like, you know, waste it. And like, you know, really it would have been fine, but it's all like timing out really, really cool. And interestingly. And, you know, of course, you know, I want to do that, that rat again next year, you know, and, but yeah, bike so, packing I mean, is, uh, is selfish. It, it takes a lot of time and not everybody can appreciate that. Um, in a, yeah. in a relationship type setting. So it can, it can, it can be challenging. You got to prioritize whatever's important and you know, life, life has a, has a tendency of working out. I think. Yeah. Uh, you just, uh, you know, put the energy, you know, into stuff and you know, the universe, universe hears that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you just point at where you want to go. I mean, whatever your time and attention is, is pointed at that's, I mean, that's the direction you're going, you know? So, all right, here's your first question. Uh, who is Monica? <laughs> Ma Monica is the uh, the bike chick that uh, kind of, I guess the bike group I kind of started with was Night Riders, and she had an apartment right across from them, met up through them, and, you know, sh she was like, I was really into waking up and riding bikes at 3 a.m. and riding 100-mile rides, and she was like, oh, man, that sounds fun, you know, and started coercing other people to get up at dumb times to, uh, ride bikes and, uh, and shows, you know, she's kind of inspired me. And then, uh, you know, I took her back to some places I've ridden like Cap Rock Canyon state park and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, got to relive some fun I had up there. And, uh, so, you know, she's since moved out away from Texas, but, uh, she's kind of like a really big, like high man cheerleader for me and what I do. 
And, uh, you know, where a lot of people are like, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, that's awesome. So, and yeah, right you on. Know, yeah. We got to give her a shout out because, uh, Absolutely, yeah. she's the, she's the reason you're here. Okay. Uh, I didn't know about you. Uh, no offense, but, um, no, she, she sent in a, uh, a guest request, uh, through my website. And then, um, not, not too long after that, uh, Andrew Onerma, uh, sent me a text message. He's like, dude, you need to get Holden on the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right. So two people have like told me that this guy, I should talk to this guy, which, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, if a couple of people tell me the same person, just like totally randomly. So I sent Andrew a text message today. I was like, and I'll do this for a lot of guests. It's like, Hey, you know, that person you recommended is coming on the show. Do you have any questions or, or stories you want me to ask him about or anything like that? And he's like, well, actually Monica, my friend Monica recommended him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so she's been like laying wow. seeds, like planting seeds all over trying to get you on the show. So this episode is brought to you by Monica. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Monica. Shout out. Yeah. She, <laughs> she was congratulating me on the thing. And, you know, you, uh, you put a lot of effort in something and you, you get over it and, uh, you know, you have to like start the next thing and keep going. And I'd kind of already like, and you know, she had mentioned you and I was like, man, that's, that's just crazy out of my world, you know, but yeah, it's super cool to, to be here and thank you so much. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, man. It's just fun talking, talking bikes. Uh, so first tell me about this. Uh, you couldn't record tomorrow cause you're doing a Monday night ride. What is, uh, what is your Monday night ride? Uh, the smash bros plus one, uh, okay. we're a fixed gear syndicate in, uh, the <laughs> Dallas Fort Worth area. And, uh, we primarily ride fixed gears and we switch it up and ride gravel, but, uh, it's primarily kind of flat out here and we'll ride 20 to 25 miles at a pretty, pretty, uh, hard pace. You know, we've grown together and like ridden together for years. So we all kind of chase after our own little segments, but we'll do, we have uh, rotating routes. We have a Texas shape route, a Panther, a squirrel and a boot shape that we do by what uh, week of the month it is. Oh, sweet. Who, uh, how many people do y'all got in that group? Man. So minimum, like tomorrow will be kind of chilly. Like there'll be like 12 minimum, but you know, the group chat, I mean, I'm sure there's like 40 of us that I'd consider family, you know? And, uh, and the, the the we're just a motley crew of people for sure. Yeah, that's sick, man. One cool thing about you that I was like noticing, and when I was preparing for this episode, is you do you do a lot of you you do a lot of uh, different genres of cycling, for lack of a better word, you know. And so, uh, fixed gear, tall bike, endurance, gravel. I mean, you know, you're Thank running you. the plethora yeah. of like of of all the rad things. So, I mean, that's cool, man. I think yeah. like you can get a little you get a little bored and stale if you uh if you approach anything in life just like one way i actually used to uh live in fort worth i lived in like the fort worth dallas area for like three years back in my druggy days and so i don't remember a lot of it but i wasn't into cycling back then so tell me a little bit about like the cycling scene in fort worth i've actually never talked to anybody i think from fort worth that's like in the scene so what's it like there man Man, I would say it's kind of low key, but it's like super tight knit. And uh, 
we have kind of people that come over from Dallas and then we'll, we'll go over to Dallas a lot. But over here, like like Monday is like mandatory. And then Tuesday, there's guaranteed a taco ride, you know, and they all we all kind of locate around this same train station where a lot of a lot of these rides kind of start. And then, you know, usually we'll ride like so basically every night out of the week, someone's doing something. And a lot of us, you know, live within like an, you know, an hour and a half ride, you know, to, to downtown. But I think like, it's when you like, you know, you, you ride together and you grow together and you really build like a really tight friendship. And like, for me, uh, commuting a lot, like I kind of skirt past downtown going to work. And then it like opens me up for opportunities at the end of the day to, you know, goof off on bikes and stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to climb a hill to get into downtown, like from anywhere off the bike trail. It's like the follows the river, you know, so there's these rolling hills out here. But what about uh, what about the bike infrastructure? Like, where are you typically riding? Are you riding like I mean, I, I, I watch some of your videos. It looks like you're on paved paths. You're on like downtown streets. Like, uh, yeah, what's it like? Yeah, so like day to day, you know, I'll take the long way and take the bike path to not stop and, uh, you know, I guess be the lesser of two evils and be the bad guy on the bike path instead of being the, uh, you know, the little guy on the streets. But, uh, you know, just to take the longer way. But uh, I'm not scared of riding in the road at all. And I ride in the road a lot. Uh, And, you know, when you say bad guy on the bike, do you mean like, you're like the big fish in the sea kind of, or do you mean like the trail users consider you or perceive you to be a bad guy? Yeah. You know, like, and, uh, you know, I try to be self-aware of like who I am, you know, I, I ride by, you know, I just, I'm like a 13 year old kid really, you know? And, uh, and like, I'm like getting places, you know, and, I, and, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm too slow for the road, you know, to belong and I'm too, uh, too fast for the path, but I like, I'm very conscientious and I like try to make contact with people like wave at everyone and, you know, call out is like a really big deal. Like in Fort Worth, you know, like we're definitely like people will say howdy when we ride by Yeah, and like, you know, look at each other in the face. When they do, do y'all do that to other cyclists or do you do it to like other trail users? Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, especially like, you know, I like to ride like early in the morning and some, it ends up riding home, you know, super late at dark. And yeah, it's just like, it's that kind of shared space because so, you know, the roads, the city's like, it's like a big town vibe. So you can, you can ride a lot on the roads because they're not overly, overly congested. Like the, the, you know, Eastern and Northeastern areas of the Metroplex are kind of a little more filled out where the you know, western side of the Metroplex is kind of, you know, it's super big, you know, but so that lets us kind of ride everywhere. I think I skipped your question to answer an older question just then, but. I don't care. <laughs> We're just talking. No pressure. Tell me about, uh, tell me about fixed gear. Uh, how long you've been riding fixed gear and I gotta be honest. Uh, it's, it's something like out of all the bikes, out of all the modalities of riding, fixed gear is the one that interests me the least. Like I like coasting, right? <laughs> like I like right. my brakes, uh, and not no shade. I'm just curious, like what, what you like about it. 
Yeah, man. Uh, like a big, big thing, you know, for me is cycling isn't my only thing, but it's like old cars too. And like, there's something like an old car and like, you know, feeling how much power the little engine can have. And like, you, you, you let off the clutch and you feel the whole thing kind of pull you to a stop and you, you know, and it's that, that push and pull, but, uh, you know, I, I was a sucker at the whole 2017 era when I really kind of started cycling, you know, it was like working out was fun and all, but you know, it's like wasting time, take, you know, getting ready to go somewhere to do a thing, to come home, to shower, to go to work. When I was like, man, I could just ride my bike to work, you know? And then I was like having to work a second shift job. So I was getting to ride in like the best part of the day and like just watching a bunch of YouTube videos and uh, saw some people at the other, you know, night riders, the social ride in Fort Worth on Sundays and, uh, and, you know, you know, knew they had a group that ride and got into that. And, you know, and really I should back up because it all started because I got a motorized bicycle that was on a beach cruiser and burnt up the brake and bought a Walmart fixie and put it on that and had to pedal it to like 20 miles an hour to even get the motor to work. Cause I was using the fixed cog on the, the fixie that just came with it and pedaling on the coaster. And so, and I rode three miles and I couldn't do it. And it was like, blew me up. And I was like, man, I want to get good at this, but that, that you couldn't do that. it on that. You couldn't do that on the motorized bike. Well, so I tried to ride. Yeah. So to riding the bike by itself, like without the motor, I couldn't ride it three miles. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of jumped back there, but, uh, but whenever I, you know, I started with a hybrid and was going to get a next bike, you know, the end all be ball bike. And, uh, and, you know, I bought a, I bought a fixed gear right before my gravel bike. And then I was really going through a quarter life crisis at 25, you know, with way too much stability going on. And <laughs> I kind of bought the gravel bike and the fixed gear, like right by each other. You know, and I still have both of them and definitely got plenty of use. But, uh, man, there's a lot of rolling hills out here, too, and a lot of ways to carry momentum. And especially on the bike path is very flat. So you can really cruise and maintain speed. And there's just it's very simple. It's everything you need and nothing you don't. And I that's probably, you know, the main reason. Yeah. And. I like your tie in with, uh, with the cars, um, and, and being more like engaged with, I get it with single speed. I mean, I, I, I got converted to single speed, not totally. I have geared bikes and single speed bikes. And at first I didn't understand single speed, right? Cause it's like, man, we got all these gears, we got all this technology. Like why, why not take advantage of it? But single speed lets yeah. you be more present, more engaged with, with what you're doing. Um, I, I do. Let's take a moment to talk about cars. I've never talked about cars with anyone on the podcast ever. Uh, but I think yours are worth talking about. Um, I don't even know where to start, but you like your social media is just full of like dope ass rides. Tell me about your cars, man. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, I mean, just a lot of stuff about me. There's never really, you know, growing up, there's a lot of you could do anything you wanted to. And no one really telling me, oh, you know, this is how you should do this or that, you know. And I kind of, um, you know, started with a bug, you know, and blew up the motor pretty quick and, uh, <laughs> you know, learned and met this guy that had this other car and been up buying that car from him. And, uh, man, uh, 
I don't even know where to begin on, but basically <laughs> since I was 17 and I'm 30 now, you know, yeah. about to be. So it's a, it's a short amount of time, but I, I'm just like, when I dive into a hobby, man, I just go into it like crazy. So my primary means of transportation has been antique vehicles and kind of started with air-cooled Volkswagens and built an American, you know, fuel-injected, you know, car. And then uh, I inherited a car uh, from my grandfather, and that kind of changed some stuff for perspective about how many cars do I want to maintain and why do I have what in my life. And, you know, there's some cycling events that were really important to me and, like, helping fund that. You know, I actually sold, you know, a couple of hot rods and, like, it made me ride my bike all summer and made me super strong, but also like that other mentality of like, you know, you're going, you're going where you're going with a bag of tools, not hoping that they're for someone else that you see broken down, you know, not mm -hmm. yours. And also you're like, you know, we're going on this, this is more of a journey, you know, and like, you're going to be in the way and people are going to let you, you know, you're like, you're taking the path less traveled and I've always kind of done things the harder way, despite like what looks easy, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I've been kind of stubborn like that. And so, and then now I ride bikes, I can justify old cars even more. And, uh, you know, 2020 put a lot of stuff in perspective of like what I really wanted to do with my time riding across Texas for the first time at the end of 2019. And like, so I've been working on cars for a living. I work at a shop in North Fort Worth and okay. uh, I work on, work on hot rods full time. And it's and even for me, I'm amazingly humbled and feel like I have tremendous amounts to learn and grow. And that segues in the bicycles, too, because I want to I want to be able to customize bikes and turn old bikes into fixed gears and build crazy kooky tall bikes. And, uh, yeah. you know, expose cycling to the world, you know, and I'm just so fascinated with transportation in general. Yeah. I mean, typically I don't talk a lot about cars. I'm more of the fuck cars variety, but I mean, I have, I have a, I have a car, obviously. I mean, uh, yeah. you almost have in the, in the world that we live in and the infrastructure that has been built for us, like you almost have to have a car in most places. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about for fun. Let's talk about your VW what is a truck? I don't, I don't even yeah. know what that thing is, man. What is it? <laughs> you call it, you call it a single cab. Okay. It's it's a single cab truck. Yeah, and it's just super utilitarian. I mean, the Volkswagen made them. They're kind of they're kind of like rare, you know, they had a big import tax on uh import trucks for the longest time, you know, to help keep those big American companies that can't fail, you know. Yeah. You know, but you know, it's all it's all for reasons. But What uh, year is it? That's a 19, 1963. And I've definitely like traded up for it. What do you mean? Like, uh, so I had a, a car that's called a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia for about 10 years and and built on it and made it kind of crazy. And it was time to like really a, a, a address some of the structural integrity parts of the body and stuff or just enjoy it for what it was. And there's so many cars to own and I've learned like so much and there's just like you say, there's so many different flavors in life of, you know, things to do. And so I was like, you know, I could really turn this into something else. And, uh, you know, you, you reach a point where you, you know, we, we don't own really anything. We just kind of get to enjoy it and be stewards of it. And, you know, you hope this stuff lives on, be, you know, beyond you. And, uh, 
you know, I think once you have your fun with something, I don't have any problems with letting someone else, you know, enjoy it and, uh, and start their own beginning. And I, you know, I chose to do that. So I, the bus is a new, I still call it a bus cause it's all the same parts, but it's a relatively new acquisition. I got it in June and, uh, you know, had to change all the suspension in it and I blew up the motor and, uh, November during a parade revving my over revving oh. my engine oh, for no. little kids. And, uh, I, I had this junk motor laying in the corner of the garage and, uh, I got it running. So I'm like tooling around in it and blew some motor mounts in on it Friday night and was working on it all day, Saturday to change some engine mounts and was fixing some, um, previous owners torched out frame rail work going on, patch the frame rail and stuff, you know, and put the engine back in. But uh, it rad. definitely it keeps it fresh, you know, to switch it up for me because, uh, you know, it, while, while I'm doing one thing, I'm definitely thinking about the other, you know. Are you a, are you a traditionalist whenever it comes to, like, your builds? Because, I mean, you can throw in, like, fuel injected. You can throw in modern suspension. Like, is yours one of those sleepers where, like, it looks kind of like a beater on the outside, but it, like, it'll, it'll tear you up or what? I'm definitely, like, endurance like I'm more endurance oriented. So, you know, a lot of, or, you know, I like a lot of looks of the traditional customs, you know, where it'd be, you know, a, a really ca catching look and stylish, but, you know, not really in my, it's always cost me more money to go fast and break stuff. And I always get into more trouble, you know? So I really, uh, cause I, cause my mindset is I want to build it to last you know, and like when I'm driving and my engine's like struggling to get up a hill, you know, because now I got this small engine in this bus. But, you know, you're going into a corner and you're trying to carry all your speed you can, you know, <laughs> so you don't have to pick up speed again. It's just like riding a bike and you're just used to being in the way already, you know, and uh, and, you know, you just wave at everybody. And now, you know, you know, it's fun because sometimes you feel as a cyclist in the road or whatever in the urban setting, you're like a nuisance or, you know, you're not. But when you're on a tall bike or, you know, doing something else, sometimes, you know, you're like you're uh, you're in heightening everyone's day, you know, so. Yeah, people are getting a kick out of it. Like you might be in their way, but at least they get to see a cool car while while they're stuck behind you yeah it definitely helps for getting in getting in changing lanes people will let you in when you have a uh old car cool. for sure we'll have to uh i'm gonna have to post a lot of pictures on this episode i want to include some pictures of of uh some of your bikes and uh some of your some of your cars and stuff for fun i used to be into uh hot rodding and like street racing and all that kind of stuff i had two fox body uh mustangs a 68 mustang and I think that was it. And then I got into motorcycles and I was a freaking idiot on motorcycles. And when I had my first daughter, uh, my wife and I, at the time we both, I owned a motorcycle business. Like I was into motorcycles, you know, and, uh, had a kid and both of our motorcycles just sat there in the driveway. Like we just didn't touch them. Like not Did you ever do any bike packing with your motorcycle. Nah, nah, I, did. I uh, I wish, man, like that's my progression in life, I think is going to be, you know, uh, geared or single speed bikes, like human powered. Then I'll eventually when I'm old as fuck, I'll get a e-bike. And then when I'm really old as fuck, I want an enduro. 
And my my dream is that I'll die in the desert on some enduro moto trip, you know, hopefully in Big Bend, you know. And I that was inspired. I was actually on a bikepacking trip in Big Bend. And uh, there was a, a an enduro bike biker out there, a solo dude. He's probably a, like late seventies, eighties, and he's just out there, man, having the time of his life. I was like, yeah, that's that's who I want to be when I'm eighty years old. Ideally, it'd be good if my legs were still working. I was still riding my bike, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I definitely have an affinity for that. But I don't know, man. Ever since like I have two daughters and. I just knew too many people who were dying or losing limbs or, and I just was like, man, I just can't do it, you know, for me. But I mean, obviously, but then like cyclists are getting fucking run over. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, for me, my, my mindset, if it's a, if it's a nice enough day to ride, you know, might as well get the exercise for me too. You know, yeah. And ride, ride the bicycle and, uh, you, you avoid a, a way more traffic lights, you know? riding the uh riding the bike path when you know but for me I, i'm lucky it's like a 40 40 minute commute going my pace <laughs> yeah so you know it's 15 minutes to the bike trail and then then it's just cadillac and that's awesome man so let's talk about your uh you told me your first i think it was your first bike packing trip was 70 miles one way on your i'm guessing this is like your motorized commuter bike or something like what was that yeah no, it was a, it was like a, like a, just a entry level hybrid. Okay. So, so, you know, this was, this was the beginning of the bikes going on and it was an obsession. I quickly collected, you know, different varieties of bikes, but yeah. And I'd, you know, saw night riders on Facebook events to do and saw other people doing other stuff. And I'd gone camping before with the Volkswagen thing, going to car show campouts. And, uh, I was like, oh, you know, I could do this, you know, and just carrying all the wrong stuff, you know, paneers and a bunch of like two lane highway chip seal country roads and, uh, you know, get to the state park. And then like, you want to ride all these mountain bike trails and I'm like trying to like not blow a wheel out or nothing. And, uh, yeah, I definitely got the cogs turning and like, the guy I brought with me, you know, poor guy, you know, like didn't make it wanted or almost didn't make it wanted me to leave him, you know, and his girlfriend like came and picked him, picked him up as soon as we made it to the state park. But I had another friend that met me out there on a mountain bike just to like camp. And, uh, and I was like, just itching and, uh, you know, and then quickly bought a gravel bike and, uh, they, they used to host a, you know, a Fort Worth bike friendly camp out that was just, you know, along the bike trail at the lake in Bembrook. And, uh, and that, that was probably the real true first one, but it was real entry level. And, uh, I was like, man, I really want to, you know, do something crazy fun. And I don't know, you know, once you do one, you're like, Oh, I could do that bigger. Yeah. So was that, uh, that one at Pembroke, was that your, was that your, uh, introduction to bike packing? Yes, sir. Yeah. That, that was the first, first one. But uh, yeah, you know, full size uh, sleeping bag and like blow up chair and just, you know, probably had a full size skillet or something, you know, just just goofy, unnecessary stuff, you know, where we're now, you know, less is more. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Less less you got to carry. Where was the uh, when you did that 70 miler? Where did you camp? What state park did you go to? Uh, Dinosaur Valley. 
Oh, cool. And, yeah. Glen Rose. Yes, sir. And that county is yeah. pretty, you know, riding through. I, I saw you did. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Dinosaur Valley and Glen Rose area is, is epic. Um, I saw you uh, did some riding out at Lake Mineral Wells too. Is can you access like can you ride all the way from Fort Worth to Dinosaur Valley and to Lake Mineral Wells? I would say Mineral Wells is way more accessible. You can literally just follow the service road for ninety percent of the way, and and you know you can ride to Dinosaur Valley. But uh, I got I kind of contacted some friends and. Uh, they kind of put me through other, I got to go through like a gated community to go to Dinosaur Valley Pecan Plantation and where there's a lot of like, you know, these are a lot of sparse ranch roads that now these, you know, outskirts areas are being kind of developed. And now these like fast moving two lane highways are kind of getting built up. So I haven't made it back to Dinosaur Valley in particular since, but, uh, and, you know, and it's funny because it's too close uh in my mind uh like because i really like uh i like to you know plan like some something really epic and uh and you know be not sure if i'm gonna make it or not yeah you gotta keep pushing yourself i wanted to ask you um i did a i did a kid packing trip out at lake mineral wells took took the daughters out there um and along the path one of the bridges was closed i think yeah. i think i saw a video where y'all did the same thing i did and hopped the barrier and uh and and went yeah. went went on it anyway and, and we did too i mean i was on my phone like googling trying to figure out what i was doing i'm like well sorry i mean here we are we're, we're going so we did it but um i was wondering if you knew if uh like if they fix the bridge or if they're ever gonna open it back up again like do you know anything about that since you're a little closer um no it's not fixed we were there just a couple weeks ago actually uh but but so when the water isn't there you can basically cross it down and yeah. go up but uh but no that's just the fun of it that means you're almost there <laughs> you have to uh, i guess you came from mineral wells to the state park yeah yeah from yeah. mineral wells trail trailhead so we yeah. drove out there i don't remember how many miles it was it's not very many but yeah again two i had a, yeah. at that time a 12 year old and a five-year-old so um that was that was that, their yeah i think that was their third bikepacking trip yeah. so I just I just interviewed a um a 13-year-old girl who did the tour divide with her dad in 42 days and uh we've been talking about doing a trip with them and so I'm trying I got my tandem right there. I've been my daughter's listening to that episode and I'm trying to get her hyped up cuz I want to do I want to do the 240-mile Katy Trail uh with my daughter cuz he yeah. the cool thing is like that dad is 43. I turned 43 in like 5 days. Um, and his daughter's 14 now and my daughter's 13. So like almost the same, same age. And so I'm trying to, uh, yeah, awesome. put, plant some seeds and, and stuff, but man, mineral wells is like, yeah, it's, it's pretty like that trail system is pretty epic. I wish that they like kind of maintain it a little bit better. I, I know it just comes down to money. They don't have the money to do anything, yeah. but it would, it would be sick if they did. And we expect to see a lot more of the rails to trails type stuff going on and in, in like Fort Worth, especially 
and uh, it, it will it will only get popular. But uh, I, I do know that that bridge being out is kind of more of a recent development, like within like the last see, like eight months or so that or so you were there recently, I think. Yeah, yeah, just um, yeah, within the last eight month, eight months, I want to say it was like, yeah, close right at eight months. It's probably like June or July. I even call. I think I went right before they closed it because I called up to the park yeah. office and I told them what we were doing. I'm taking my kids, you know, so I'm trying to do all the beta, and I called the park office. I was like, "Here's our plan." didn't mention anything about it. I didn't see it on their website as a park notice. And then we went and came across. And then whenever we got home, there was an alert on the state park website that the bridge was closed. So I think it happened like right before we got there. Wow. Yeah. Tell me, so what do you know about the, uh, uh rails to trails? That's, that's super exciting. Do you know what, what they got in the works or anything? Um, well, I know like, uh, the Trinity river is kind of like, uh, it has a couple different forks and, you know, they're connecting Dallas to Fort Worth via trails. And also, uh, there's kind of two main forks that go West and kind of towards where I live, but, uh, there, there's an old uh, rail line that used to go to a bomber plant where, you know, where they, you know, the air force was. And, uh, so it's just been super vacant. There's like a big bridge that goes over the highway and everything. And so they'll be building a, you know, our little rails to trails there. Nothing like super epic, but, um, hey, you know, more trails, just to man. make it, yeah, make it more accessible, you know, and be other ways to get around besides like being stuck with a gas burning engine or electric car, you know, you could, the stuff that, you know, they necessarily sell you isn't necessarily like, you know, as fun as riding your bike, I promise. <laughs> oh, hell no. Yeah, and my experience is I, I live in College Station. I don't know how familiar okay. you are with it. It's it's a college town, but we have it's surprising with a hundred thousand students the lack of infrastructure. Like it's it's a lot. I mean, there's it's just terrible. I could I could do a whole podcast about how shitty our infrastructure is. But what I've experienced when I go to other areas that have good infrastructure is if you build it, people will use it. Has that been like your experience in the Dallas Fort Worth area? Uh, yeah, you know, it's so, it's such a sprawling area. So, you know, um, I see a, a lot of stuff being redeveloped, reused, like on the edges of downtown and stuff like that, which those are getting a lot of bike paths and, uh, and people are saying no one's going to ride their bike on XYZ street. And we are, you know, and, uh, you know, there's definitely like, you know, groups of us that go out frequently. So I think, you know, they have some of that stuff in mind. Some of that stuff is a little goofy, like super urban. They've been putting medians kind of in between bike lanes where there's a lot of shopping and, you know, it's, there's not designated full stop signs for the cars to see the cyclists, but you know, we're kind of riding in bigger groups, you know, staying in the street. Yeah. yeah that helps. Let's, uh, let's talk about your tall bike. Um, yeah, man. I got some questions, but first off, yeah, there she is. What a beauty. What is it? And, uh, I was going to ask you if you built it, but I figured out from stocking your Instagram that you did build it and you're, you're a car guy, you're a mechanic, you know how to manufacture stuff. So yeah. Tell me, tell me what you got there. Yeah. Well, 
before I like started biking, you know, I bought like one at a flea market and the other one said Volkscycle on it. And uh, so it was like some 70s, there's like 70s road bikes and there's a floor jack handle <laughs> welded welded between them but you know i tried to do it nice instead of like a weekend job and uh so it's two bikes stacked together and where the top bike touches the seat post of the other bike it's welded and then the the old dropouts and stuff are all you know capped off and welded smooth and uh yeah man someone gave me some like exercise bike handlebars i think for it and uh <laughs> you know uh i uh, i sourced a full three by eight group set for it i got it at a bike swap uh bike store had this like these takeoff parts that for whatever reason they couldn't sell them but they could give them to somebody so and you know i brazed on all the little cable holders everywhere necessary and you know and put 20 water bottle bosses all over it and uh you know my boss is like you're gonna make it nice right you're gonna make it nice and uh (laughs) So when I got done with the race across Texas this year, this was like what I had to finish and uh, got it powder coated. And it's now the nicest bicycle I've ever owned and shifts better than all my bikes, actually. <laughs> and uh, just the super simple, you know, well, it, I say that, but it's not. But uh, yeah. as far as the the mountain cheap, you know, mountain bike shifters go. Dude, the uh, handlebars are where it's at. Those exercise handlebars are money. <laughs> yeah, let's see those. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to. We'll put some uh, pictures on on the website because people cool. got to see what you got going on. She's pretty. That's so Thank cool. You. How did you um like? Did you follow a blueprint or how did you go about actually just building it? Did you just start putting pieces together and see what worked? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I think uh, so. What happened is my buddy had a Shirley Cross Trek, and he cut his steer tube too short, uh, or his fork too short, and uh, so that was junk. And I'd been like talking about this, you know. I get I start talking about something, and no one tells me not to, and then I do it. But uh, uh, well, even when people tell me not to, I probably still do. But and so I drilled it out for a piece of one inch tubing and brazed a piece of one inch tubing in the bottom of it. And, uh, well, I used a brazing a silicon bronze rod, but I TIG welded it together and like, you know, tack welded the bearing race to the bottom of there just to keep it put. And, uh, so I just had this super long steer and then, uh, kind of mocked up where I thought these bikes would kind of fit together and, uh, tight, tightened them up with this jack handle in between. And basically I have like a, a gate hinge that's out of two bicycles and was kind of just looking where the backs would line up and welded them, welded them up there. And at first it was a single speed and where the seat post from the top bike to the bottom bike meet is where I kind of stretched the bikes apart to tighten the chain. But, okay. uh, but now it's just a one to, you know, a, a chain running to the top bike, kind of like a tandem. And I have a derailleur as a chain guard. And then the, uh, you know, it's just like a normal three by eight group set on the bottom bike. Did you follow any kind of guide or did you literally just build it out of your head? Um, yeah, I would say mine's kind of unique. They're all unique. They're all like, I was so inspired. If you go into the dive of tall bikes, uh, they're all so very unique. And, uh, you know, there's definitely like some really great ways to make some bike packing oriented bikes. And I, 
I'm oh, very yeah. reluctant that this one doesn't have uh, cargo capabilities. Like I want to build other ones too, because you could really get a lot of bike packing gear I've on a tall it. bike. Yeah. And uh, well, you do it typically. You do it down low for center correct. of gravity, right? Yeah. yeah. So this yeah. one's not ideal for that. Yeah. But and then and that's the thing; it gets people talking. But no, I didn't follow a plan. Uh, I saw a lot of what not to do, and but once I got the uh, the long steer tube. And I tightened the two bikes together and, and where the basically both head tubes were straight with each other. And then I knew where the back needed to meet up. And then yeah. it was just a like putting a normal bike together. And, you know, I've been cautious of building one bike. And so I built two bikes in one with the <laughs> drivetrain components of three bikes. Nice. But uh, I'm super, super happy with it. Super satisfied, you know, and it's it gets to be in my bedroom and that, that nice. <laughs> That's sick. I, I got five. Well, this is in my bedroom, but I got five bikes surrounding me right now. So yeah, nice. We're we're you're in good company. Uh, you're the first person I ever talked to. That's I, there's a lot of firsts on this episode. Actually, I uh, haven't ever talked to anybody who's done the rat. Haven't talked to anybody about a tall bike. We've never talked about cars before. So a lot of first. Um, how do you get on? How do you get on a tall bike? And how do you get off of a tall bike? Tall bike. Right. You know, I think that raises a bigger question is how do guys get in lifted trucks without steps? Cause that, right. cause that's what I think getting on my tall bike. And that's what I tell yeah. people, uh, you know, there, I would like to not, I'd like there to remain some little bit of magic there and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, I can't get off, you know, it's I always play with that, but uh, I have a little peg that would be where like a rack mount would be. And you basically step on the peg with one leg and step on the power stroke of the pedal with your other foot. And uh, put the power in and swing swing your other leg around. Um, you can kind of lean over it a little bit, and uh, but if it starts falling away from you or something, it's definitely a bad time. You know, they're really hard to track stand, and that's kind of frustrating to me because you know that'd be like a preferred way to stay still. But um, but uh, it, it, it's really not too bad. It's just a normal bicycle. And there's just something about floating six feet in the air around the city and like looking down on all your friends, you know, it's like drone drone view. And uh, well, and, like whenever you get on it, are you like kind of do you have to like kind of get a running start? Uh, you you, you, uh, you step off. But no, I mean, I, like I could probably stand on it right now. You just. I don't know if you can see me, but you yeah, stand I can see. Right there, one foot there. Oh, I see. Yeah. So as soon as you put your foot on the pedal, it pushes you off. Yeah. And you kind of hold, you hold your saddle and you place that right underneath you. Just whoop. <laughs> how many times did you eat shit trying to learn how to get on it? The first couple were pretty bad because uh, if it falls the way you're not prepared, it's kind of easy to get a leg stuck in it or something. Um, but you learn pretty quick. Uh, I've seen, I I really wish I didn't have a peg. I really wish I just pushed off and reached my leg super high and was able to tough guy it up there. I think that'd be like, or climb the bike itself. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be like, the real hardcore because you know in true of like taking things too far fashion you know what's what can i do that's more special than a fixed gear oh, i'll ride a tall bike you know because you know no one's cooler than those guys at the 
meet up on the penny farnings, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> super high up in the air. That's what I'm going to get next, right? Yeah, I I own the domain name Penny Farthing Penny Farthing or Death. Yeah, I I have the <laughs> I have the email address too. <laughs> I uh, I don't awesome. own a Penny Farthing, but I I definitely want one. All right, so here's the tall bike question of the century that I think everybody wants to know. You're riding. I've seen you. You go on these group rides with your tall bike. Uh, you're in traffic. You come to a stoplight. W- like, what do you do? Like, how do you yeah, how do you right. navigate that? Well, you have a, a a couple of options. I guess I'll list them in in my personal choice of options that I will take. And like, you know, I'll, I'll do this to say is riding a tall bike is secretly the ultimate training tool. I mean, your sense of awareness and you know you're putting out power to just ride in a group ride, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and but it also absorbs all the bumps, but. Uh, being all the tubes and stuff to get up there. But, uh, so basically I start doing circles. So I go to the crosswalk and either hang a left or a right. And I'm already looking back. So you just kind of have to glance down and you can see behind you, you know, and it's, and, uh, so I'll start doing circles, but also I've got it worked out. You know, I've got a, you know, steady group of buddies at the social ride and they got plenty of shoulders to lean on. And, uh, and so you become very aware. So all these little pylon poles that you see that are like to stop cars from driving in, those are great foot stops. Yeah. You know, stop signs, not so much because they're usually like inset from the curb. But uh, you, you you can see around traffic, too, if cars are parked at a corner. You can kind of see if oh, the yeah. light clear. You know, I don't run red lights. I just catch a lot of green ones. <laughs> so and, and you get better at you know time and that and uh and then you kind of uh it's really fun the the smash bros will be like a force field of bikes ahead and beside and behind me and kind of like directing traffic as we roll through the city as like a parade <laughs> what about uh do you ever ride it just on your own around town or or do you prefer for all those reasons you just listed to kind of ride in a group yeah, I built it for that. The only time I ride it alone is um, uh, is riding it to work. And that's just to goof off and, uh, you know, uh, do that. And uh, and I feel like the tall bike loses all of its magic if it's not seen. I feel like it's three times harder to ride if no one sees me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like I definitely like, you know have an attention issue or something, you know, <laughs> being like this, but, uh, but, uh, your no, mommy didn't hug you enough when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got other bikes to just, to just ride around on and, and really, uh, I don't do a lot of like, uh, small rides other than commuting. I, I for me to put on some clothes to ride my bike, I really want to, uh, really want to kind of push myself and do a hundred miles or more. Yeah. Well, let's ask you that question. So it's the weekend. You're going to plan a ride. What kind of ride do you typically plan for yourself? Yeah, man. It's usually like a a real big, like out and back, you know, is what I like to usually like push 50, 60 miles, like one, one way east or, you know, west of Mineral Wells and go the gravel ride or, or go, uh, east of dallas and uh go the roadway and you just take these old school high you know old school highways people used to take before the you know freeway was there but um 
but yeah, and you know, I like uh, I like building like a really good base for me. You know, cycling is like a really big social thing, but uh, like I really enjoy riding by myself and like uh, occupying my own time and like uh, you know, just kind of like growing up, I I had to occupy my own time a lot, and I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to ride my bike and go get lost. And, uh, I really feel like, uh, I realized if I was going to have anything, I this like takes a tremendous amount of work. And, uh, you know, I just like get super focused and lost in my own like niche. And like, you know, it's just like, you, you just get stuck out way far somewhere and you just like have to rely on yourself to get back. And like, that's just such a fun adventure because everything that like you thought was an issue, like doesn't matter now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love uh just adventuring by bike and and getting lost and all, a lot of times it, that's one bummer about like where I live is um I've lived here for 42 years about to be 43 years and I I know it like the like I've told friends people I've dated it's like you could blindfold me and drive 30 minutes in any direction and drop me off and I'm going to know exactly how to get back without any technology or whatever like i just there's nowhere i can go that that isn't familiar to me how far do you have to go to get to gravel from from your house um we got that nice kitty litter gravel that's four that's four miles away on um, uh like on trails like dedicated yeah. trails okay cool. yeah th- th- that's pretty close but uh to get to the it's a real nice gravel uh like I rode to a cycling event in in Valley View for you know a seventy five mile race up there, and that, that's some proper gravel. I would say it's it's a little further out there, you know. Um, you know, there's patches, and like a lot of people would say, the Dallas the Dallas levee system is a chunkier, less maintained uh, gravel sy- system with some punchy climbs over some levees and stuff like that. But uh, it's not a it's not like doing the rat where it's as far as you can go one way and you know, it's all dirt the whole way. And it's definitely like a kind of riding that I don't ever get to do any other time. Yeah. Well, I think you're looking at my notes. That's next on my list. Let's talk about the rat. So, uh, for people who don't know the rat is the race across Texas, the rat 1000, it's a thousand miles. Uh, I don't even know. It starts, what it does, it start in Texarkana. Uh, yeah, Texarkana, which is the very northern eastern point of Texas. And what's the terminus? Somewhere is it actually Tucumcari. New Mexico? Tucumcari, New Mexico. Yeah. 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 Just, just because uh, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing else there. Yeah, it's dude, it's it is out there. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. I I haven't done that one. Um, haven't talked to anybody who's done it on the podcast before. So uh first question is like what even put that on your on your radar and, and what made you wanna what made you wanna do it? Well, uh so got the gravel bike and it was like spring and all these kind of t shirt uh, event rides were going on and you know I definitely was looking, searching Facebook events for bike rides and stuff like that. And there's this group out of Texas, uh, Kevin Lee with Spinistry, that holds a bunch of series of gravel events and stuff like that. And they had this uh, Paris event in Paris, Texas. And that's kind of the first main stop on the race across Texas. And so 
just got a gravel bike and I'm, I'm, I'm out there doing this thing and I get lost like the first 15 miles in and I meet some other people and start talking to them. Shout out Jerry Bueno. But, uh, and they're like, that's, a cool Are you name. Gonna do- that's yeah. his real name. Jerry Bueno. Jerry Bueno, Austin, Texas, super cool guy, super motivating and inspiring, you know, just laid back and, uh, ambassador for the sport, you know, just a new guy like me getting lost out there, you know, teaming up and, uh, sticking together and, uh, you know, really, really formed a love for gravel riding like that day and uh, stuck with these group of people I met up with. And they were like, you're going to do the rat. Are you training for the rat? And I'm like, never heard of any of this, but I'm like, man, I just got this bike and I'm just like building this momentum. And I'm like, man, that would be a, that'd be like a perfect, perfect thing. And, you know, already like camping and stuff. And, you know, I like, I like accessorizing, you know, cars or bicycles, you know, already, you know, so let's like see how much stuff we can put on it and where we can go yeah. with it. Yeah. It's a puzzle, man. It's fun. Yeah. And, and so the next year I tried to, I tried to meet at, meet out with those guys in Paris. I tried to ride from Dallas, Fort Worth to Paris, uh, to meet the racers on the first night. And, uh, and I didn't make it. Uh, and I stopped like, uh, was like 15 miles short. And like, I camped literally on, on route of the rat. And, uh, you know, I was terrified. I was sleeping next to like someone's like trash trailer and like, you know, just mosquitoes everywhere getting into my tent, bivy all sweaty. Well, it was a t- very small tent, but, uh, and, but I got to meet some people like that next morning who were, uh, you know, who like, you know, I feel consider myself very fortunate and, you know, young kind of capable and some of my friends who are kind of older and, you know, that I was like, I can't believe you're going to try to do this. And that really inspired me. But like, I had kind of like a really big, like failure leading up to leading up to being inspired by it and bikepacking. And, and it really like inspired me to like do it better and like, you know, learn from my mistakes yeah, let's talk about your mistakes. What was your failure? I love hearing failure. No, I mean, really, because I've yeah. said this a million times, but failures are only an opportunity to learn, you know? Yeah. And, and, and obviously, that's kind of what, what, where it ultimately landed for you. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it was like time management. And uh, I got going, the, the, there was a, I was doing like the, the miniature uh, rat. Uh, okay. you know, cause, uh, Kevin's great. Was about this the make- 20, w- was this the 2019 one? No, this was, uh, this was the year before that. No, two so years 20- before that probably, uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy for me to get it mixed up, but, uh, oh, sorry. but, uh, but it was the year before I actually did the rat. So I, okay. so yeah, so it had to have been 2018. Yeah. It feels a million years ago, but, uh, <laughs> no, I want to say it was, uh, no, that was it. Cause that was the year there was a lot of rain so that, you know, there, there'd be built some steam up to the event and then like, there might be some rain and a lot of people will drop out. And I feel like maybe the next year, not a lot of people will come. And once I put it in my mind that it was something I was working towards, I was going to go out there and do it, you know, or hope to do it no matter, no matter what, if I could, you know? And so Anyway, you know, I guess leading up to 2019, uh, you know, I, I kind of, well, I guess, you know, mistakes were, were just all beginner mistakes, really. I mean, didn't have bug spray was probably like the biggest one. Didn't have charging capability, 
you know, uh, that I thought I did, you know, was like, I've never had a failure before where lost battery to the Garmin and the phone and, and then your headlights dying and you see the thunder, the thunderstorm cloud and the store closes at 7 30 PM in Roxton, you know, tips for rat riders, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, uh, but yeah. How many miles is the, so Kevin, yeah, Kevin with Spinistry, I know he does like the mini rad. He does the full rad. He does, um, he even does like stage. He, you, you can do it in a stage event if you want to. So that, um, there are a lot of options and ways you could approach this route. So what, what was the mini rat that year? How many miles yes, was that? The, the mini rats, whatever you, you want it to be. But I, I think I did, uh, I did like about 150 miles, 160, and and it, they're just different options. To basically, it was from Farmersville. It was the start of the net, you know, another rails to trails uh, to Northeast Texas Trail. Correct. It, yeah, Northeast Texas Trail. That's what it is. The net. Yeah. Yeah. Just for people and, listening. Yeah. And some of that was a little more impassable than I anticipated, and uh, and I also get. I went eight miles the wrong way and because the part of the route figure aided back on itself and I started going back oh. up the return leg and my Garmin oh. beat that me so much. And I was like, this is fine. I'm having so much fun riding my bike. When I finally did turn around, you know, I didn't have the battery left and was like, you know, uh, stuff got wet and great time. <laughs> what? All right. So, you bailed that year. What happened in 2019? One one yeah. thing, I don't know if I Googled forever to try to find the results because I wanted to kind of see your progress. I, I don't know where they're listed, if they're listed yeah. anywhere, but I, I have no idea what happened. So yeah, what, what happened in your 2019 attempt? Yeah, and that's the kind of magic of the rat is it's, I guess, that uh, grassroots. Uh, yeah. But uh, 2019 was like great. You know, it was, uh, I was just terrified. I knew I could ride my bike uh, 150 miles from Texarkana to Paris one day. I knew I could do that. And I was pretty sure I could do that two days. But beyond that, I didn't uh, really plan that. So there's, it, I was doing the independent time trial, which can be done at any time during the year, west to east, east to west. Traditionally, there's a group departure first, second week in October uh, in Tex- Texarkana and, you know, people kind of watch this. We all carry spot trackers is kind of how yeah. it's cataloged, but, uh, and, uh, you know, made it, made it to Paris. First one there, first one to Paris. And there is uh, they were doing the stage race and the stage race starts 30 miles in 30 miles less that first night. And, uh, and I'd meet up with one of those guys and was pushing a pace that was unmaintainable uh, for me then, but I think I was on par, not faster with that pace this year. But uh, and I got to Paris, and Kevin was like, "You're not going further, are you?" You know, and uh, Kevin is really great at uh, letting people ride their own ride and not spoiling it for them, but also like, kind of like, "Hey, man, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a good idea for most people to go past this point on the first night." For, you know, and uh, and I reluctantly stayed and got to hang out with the old heads, uh, you know, in the uh, the Paris campgrounds and hear hear their stories and and see these guys. And, uh, you know, I started later that next day, but uh, 
and this guy started going past me and, you know, I was doing good, you know, the first couple of days and then hit a wall of day three, you know, basically doing 150 miles for the first couple of days and running into elevation past Oklahoma, moving west. And because uh, you basically run run through the north of Texas. And uh, and I only made it like 100 miles the third day. And, you know, you get to the I got to this hotel at like 3 p.m. And and I'm like, man, and I'm like sitting in this uh hot tub that's not even hot at the holiday inn and uh, and I'm watching this guy go by me and I'm like man I'm gonna wake up at two in the morning and go get him and uh and I did and I like did like 60 miles before like 7 a.m or something and uh you know rode all day to catch this guy Keith Jordan who we kind of started this yo-yo thing and and I was totally written off there was like Facebook people doing commentaries on the ride, you know, writing me off. And I'm like, man, I'm like in this. And uh, chase this <laughs> So you were seeing down. the commentary while you were on the ride? Yeah, like via yeah. Facebook comments and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which was fun and really like pushed me. And like, it took me all of like 16 hours that day to like catch him. And he's pounding Red Bulls and his knees all swollen. And He's like, what are you doing, man? I like, how far are you going? I was like, man, I'm feeling great today. I was like, uh, I'm going to just get a tall boy and ride until the sun starts to set and just uh, (laughs) find a place. And he was like, man, I'm not racing you. He's like, you can have this. (laughs) And, uh, you know, for me, he breaks the the thousand mile ride into seven maps. So I was trying to do a map a day and I'd gotten behind that one day, but then basically caught back up and ended up camping out that night and i didn't really like clean myself down really well and i also didn't consider like i i camped out right after my resupply and didn't consider how much i had to ride the next morning to the next resupply and it was like 50 miles you know of like yeah and i was grateful for some back pocket cheeseburgers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that morning, I tried that again this year, and it was just disgusting to eat a cheeseburger out of my back pocket. But uh, but I guess I was at a different different spot in 2019. If you're hungry and, enough. Uh, yeah, so it was a really, really fast year, and Dana Birch set the record, uh, the fastest known time. He did a uh, he did in retrospect he did 263 miles, I believe, the first day. And he didn't. He said he didn't bring proper gear for the cold to camp in, so he was kind of scared to stop. Oh, I gotcha. Where and and then he did approximately about a hundred, hundred and fifty miles the the rest of the the days, and he did it in uh, six days, twelve hours in twenty nineteen. And I no, he did it in five days, 12 hours. And I did it in 2019 in six days, 18 hours. And then there's another gentleman in front of me and I forget his name or his time, but he got the fastest known single speed time. And it just worked out that there wasn't any rain uh, that year. And then the next year, uh, 2020 was, was 2020 and it was a smaller year and there was there was some rain, but like this is something I literally think about every day, and is like just a big core of like why I get up and like want to ride a little further or plan something a little bigger is to like get to do that. What is it about this particular race or the route that 
that gets you so fired up? Is it just like you got to get that monkey off your back or what's going on there? I think, oh, one of the big reasons I like it is uh, like, you know, it's when I kind of got into cycling. I was just like super easily influenced to this. And then it's time frame of me trying to fit the biggest adventure possible into a week. And uh, and now, you know, and I wanted to go back last year, this last year to beat the record. And uh, and I thought, you know, once I can do that, I can lay a fa- I told Kevin this year, I only see him once 150 miles in. I was like, man, I just want to, like, beat the record. You know, I want to come out here and do 200 plus mile days and beat the record, you know, before everyone comes out here. Well, neither one of those things happened. Um, <laughs> But and and he was also kind of cryptic about, you know, that and he was like, man, I don't think anyone will ever, you know, do this. And, you know, I think there's there's been a lot more interest and definitely the way things worked out this last year. I didn't think there'd be a race at all. But this guy, David Quinn, showed up out of the back and, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun kind of going back and forth. But uh, and, you know, he invited me already like out there to like like be you know do it again next year you know and he's gonna do his route himself that he hasn't had the chance to ride but uh tell me i mean i i'm kind of familiar with that area of texas but um what how would you describe the route overall i mean is it mostly rails to trails is it mostly dirt is it a lot of road like what what is the terrain like that you're covering yeah, man. I mean, I guess I can give you the cliff notes of uh, yeah, the cliff of, notes over a thousand miles. I know it's a you know it's yeah. a long race. So what are the cliff so, notes? Texas in thirty seconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, in East Texas, the terrain is dogs, and every house <laughs> has a dog. So yeah. uh, you can either make the peace with the dogs. Uh, I I don't. I I am a toy for the dogs, and I just but no that you know it's like kind of more piney woods like out east. And then you kind of go up into Oklahoma and there's some like real flat areas and you come back down and then it starts getting like real red. And, uh, I really appreciated that stuff this year and, uh, kind of like canyony and cap Rocky. And, uh, you end up going through like old Western trail, like the Ozark trail and, um, through cap rock Canyon and oh, it goes um, through Caprock. Does it go well, on the trailway? You ride right by it. Okay. Um, and then you ride around the top of the state park. Okay. Like, gotcha. But in, and it's such a cool elevation change in 2019. I rode all that in the dark and early in the morning and mm. didn't see the massive cliff I was riding up to and had to ride over where this year I got to like really enjoy it and see it way off in the distance and ride up to it. And like, you know, really a lot of people don't make it past 410 miles to Henrietta, but beyond that is where it gets Western and where it really like, you know, there's resupplies every 40 to 60 miles, the first 400 miles. But after that, it starts to get really more sparse and like you start to climb a little bit of elevation and it's like, it's really special to me. And it really like, uh, just being like a mostly Texas boy, you know, it's just like really leaves an impact. And then also like the last day going into New Mexico, things change a lot. The dirt gets really white in places and like kind of rocky. And like, you just, it's just like, you literally traverse this landscape and like see all these little changes and like 
you know, but it's also, it's so slow, but you see it so fast that it's like, it's only like a week after it's over that you can kind of like unpack it. Yeah. No, I, the pictures look cool. It's something I'd like to check out one day. Um, for sure. Let's talk about, uh, I want to hear about, so going into, uh, you did it this last time in 2022, right? You just came off of it this past October. Uh, what was your bike? Let's talk about your setup. What bike were you running? What tires, uh, did you run aero bars? What, what was your setup for this year? Yeah. Yeah, so all the trade secrets. Uh, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, no problem. I mean, <laughs> 2017 Salsa Via. So the, pretty much the exact same setup I ran in 2019. Uh, okay. Yeah, 20, you know, Salsa Steel Frame, uh, Salsa Via, um, um, Hope Hope Hubs with some stands, uh, no tubes, cross wheels. Uh, 2019, I ran Panaracer Gravel King front and back. Uh this year I had a tire issue and uh, ended up running um, 43 mil gra- gravel king in the back and a um, an ICR double cross I think up mm, front. Okay. Uh, what size? 42. And I I kind of okay. really liked that tire. I did have some issues with it, but I think that was just me running low. I was run- kind of low, kind of dry on sealant. It was uh you know some negligence on my part, but uh, I just I don't know. I felt like. Uh, I was like, should have fallen over in some sand a couple of times. And it does get a little sandy at times, but there's a lot of like 18 wheeler traffic building, like, uh, uh, you know, just agriculture traffic, like farmer traffic, and then, uh, like, uh, building those tall wind turbines. So a lot of the sand stuff had been packed down this year, but when you're running kind of on the edge of the rut and, you know, you're kind of kicking up the sand, it was really like, it was really saving me and some other guys that I was super happy to see out there that I had met once previously. And were actually just out there per my recommendation, they're riding, riding hardtail mountain bikes. And they were like, man, we don't know how you're, how you're riding that line, but I was just trying to keep the momentum going, you know? Yeah. What do you think about, uh, were you happy with the, the tire selection, the tire size for that course? Yeah. I mean, I did run into some mud issues. I think the bike, you know, you know, it doesn't have the frame clearance, you know, to, for anything bigger, but you know, to more on your other question, I did run arrow bars and I like the little hot rod modification welded a piece of an old handlebar in the middle for like a light mount and then really kind of stiffened up that whole setup. And the arrow bars are really like a whole front rack for me, you know, where I keep a dry bag. Yeah, I uh, I have uh, arrow bars. I just I, I've had questions on this on social media whenever I post my arrow bars because I have two bars that run in between. I didn't weld mine though. It's just it's PVC and I just like gouged out. I use my Dremel tool and like gouged it out so it fits to the arrow bars. Then I drilled a couple holes and zip tied it in and painted them black. And I mean I've run. I did my first 500 mile race. I ran that and they're still on there. Like it's been five years and I'm about to use it again. I'm, I'm doing, I don't know if you know, I host my own event in East Texas. You were talking about the piney woods. And so I do the East Texas showdown, uh, 400 miles and it's all in the piney woods. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm about to go do an ITT of that, but my ITT is going to be an individual time tour 
uh, because I'm just going to go tour it and, and enjoy it and uh, suffer in my own way. But um, they, yeah, those aero bars are just great for comfort and a lot of mounting points. So you can have all your all your shit yeah. just tied right there and convenient, which which is awesome. What about, um, what'd you do for like lighting? Uh, were you running dynamo? Do you do the battery thing? What was your charging setup like? Yeah. So I carried way more battery than I needed. I carried like a 30,000 milliamp battery this go around. And I carried it. And for, I made some mistake in my calculation. I thought it was going to be lighter than my other battery that was smaller. And it just wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, wor- I carried like two, a couple of really good lights I trusted. And I had a couple of uh, uh, helmet lights that were headlight tail light combos. And uh, I so, you know, I essentially had four headlights and four tail lights and, uh, you know, uh, trade secrets here. But, uh, you know, operate a headlight in the early morning and then you already have another headlight that's fully charged and you can charge that b- other headlight during the day you know, in your frame bag while you're riding and, you know, you really could almost get away with one light, well, one bike light and, you know, a really good helmet light. Um, that's how I, I kind of, you know, uh, just kept kind of a rotating, you know, two bike headlights and two bike tail lights and, uh, you know, the helmet light situation. Was your, uh, what was your sleep strategy? Did you carry a sleep kit? Were you using hotels along the way? Like what was your strategy there? Yeah, uh, I primarily stayed in hotels, but I really like to keep the spirit of bikepacking alive. And uh, I really wanted to do more of that uh, this year. And uh, I did uh, camp out the first night. Uh, you know, it was like do 205 miles or or camp out because I'd already pushed, you know, past, you know, the hotel. And um, and I was like, man, I'd rather wake up early. and. Uh, and found a good stack of bales of haze and a bend in the road, you know, in between someone's property and, uh, you know, the road. And, uh, you know, this guy, David Quinn, who wasn't even there for the start, just grinded right on past me and uh, Mm -hmm. made it to the made it to the hotel. And I didn't think there was going to be like a lot of people in this year. And, And I was like, man, I just need to get this thing done. Finishing is so important to me. And I'm not going to come out here and, and blow myself up. And I've been joking with all my buddies about these big numbers I'm going to put up and listening to bikes or death and people doing 200 plus mile days. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be right there. And then, you know, I had to be real, really real with myself and, you know, realize what I'm doing. And I had a really cool moment behind those bells of hay next to some spiders where, I had to like come to peace with like laying, laying in a really vulnerable spot. Well, it wasn't super vulnerable, but you, the, the real fear, you know, the childhood fear kind of comes in you and you kind of just like let go of everything. And like, man, I'm like, man, this is bike packing right here. <laughs> and were you uh, in a you know, bivy or, oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, no, uh, I the, uh, I just get going. Uh, so I, yeah, I brought let's... a bivy. And uh, I had like some jogging pants and uh, a, a pocket puffer jacket. And, you know, 2019, I carried uh, no sleeping bag pad, but uh, uh, I carried like a cheaper uh, Aggies Max uh, uh, sleeping bag, which I really highly recommend that as like a cost effective, you know, alternative. Some of this gear, it's like better to 
not necessarily spend a ton on it, I think, and like be able to enjoy it in the dirt a little yeah. bit. And like, yeah. you know, for me, when I'm thinking about my rat, you know, especially going forward is like, if I have to sacrifice this item for this event, that's just what it is. But, uh, I've been lucky and I've got a lot of use out of my, the bike packing gear is pretty, pretty tough and really didn't change my setup a lot from 2019. But basically I run a frame bag and a seat bag and a really big top tube bag. And then, uh, I have, a uh, my arrow bars that carries, you know, like my immediate layers and I carry a, a base layer and, uh, leg warmers and, um, and like jogging pants and, uh, you know, of course my Jersey and cycling shorts and then like a puffer jacket. And, uh, you know, uh, this time I saw, I saw a gentleman getting a gas station in white t-shirt, like, you know, uh, outside a convenience store. I was like, man, I could be one of those guys today. And, uh, I did, uh, I did enjoy that and kind of opened my mind a little bit of like all this stuff, like extra batteries and stuff. I'm toting around when, uh, you know, my spot was acting like it couldn't hold battery life and I was buying batteries anyway, you know, What's the, uh, what's the sleeping situation like? I mean, just on the rat in general, is, is there adequate sleeping or is it mostly either stealth camping or ho- credit card tour or hotel hotels? Yeah. Like what, what are you dealing yeah. with out there? So, so first night there's normally like a group kind of camp out in uh, mineral wells and like traditionally the race was made as like you would stop at state parks along the way. Um, but there, there is that option. But yeah, it is kind of stealth, stealth camping, credit card, credit card touring. But, uh, you know, you're carrying all that stuff with you and you're, you're, you're living, you're living off your bike. And, uh, you know, I'm riding my bike. Uh, you know, I would say I was prepared to like camp every night and I really wanted to, to camp that last night too. This year, the first night was the only time I camped, but, uh, I wasn't going to do it and not at least camp one night, you know, for sure. Well, if you're going to carry all that shit, you might as well at least use it once. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and I'd like to do, like to do more of that, you know, and, uh, it's kind of funny, like doing a thousand miles and camping and telling people about it. You're almost like, uh, isolating them from the idea. I feel like sometimes So I try not to, you know, make it sound a little more digestible. You know, I don't want to, shoo anyone off from the idea of like really having fun yeah i mean i think you know it really depends on what your priorities are like some people want that camping experience but if you're if you're just trying to go fast if you're trying to go fast that is your primary motivation like there's a lot to be said about just checking into a hotel uh have, you know, possibly taking a shower, uh, cleaning yourself off really well, getting a really good, comfortable, whatever it is. I mean, it might be four to eight hours. Everybody's going to do it differently, but getting a comfortable night's sleep and then hitting the road, um, versus tossing and turning in a ditch somewhere and worry that somebody's going to kick you off their property or whatever it is. So like, you just have to weigh like what you're trying to get out of the experience. Right. So I have something to, yeah, to speak on that. And and this year I feel like I got to balance. So like, you know, short story long, I, uh, I missed the fastest known time by an hour this year. Right. And, uh, and retrospect, the guy who had the Dana Birch, he said he only got about 12 hours of sleep, you know, the whole six and a half days or five and a half days. And where I was like getting six hours, five hours of sleep every night. 
And uh-huh. and my my policy is I like to end the day when the sun's going down and wake up really, really early and really try to put put in my big time and big efficiency, you know, pre-dawn and stuff like that. But I've learned, you know, and I'm also a lot more mature of a rider as far as like what what I can't see in front of me and unknown conditions and and riding in the dark. But I really like to uh you know, you take it 40 to 60 miles at a time on the rat and, uh, you know, you make it to the next store and you see what's what's next and how far and how much time. But for me, that's that's really worked for me where I've, I've seen other people kind of just kind of push through to the night and they can't they can't start as early, which seems to give them less options at the end of the next day. And, uh, yeah. you know, nothing against doing that because I really had hoped that I would do more pushing to past 200 miles, uh, every day. And I didn't, but I still came extremely close to this time. And, you know, I got stuck in some rain and, uh, and, and yeah, it's not an excuse, but it, you know, it was also, it was like, okay, I'll just put this away as like, we're just going to enjoy this and got to meet up with some guys that I met randomly riding to Dallas. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out here training for this right across Texas. And these guys were out there only because of my res- re- recommendation this one time oh, and cool. uh and just happened to stay at the same hotel as them and then i just like was slowed my roll and was like whatever and so there was mud the next day and they kind of rode right by me you know it was a sunny day but the mud had to dry out they rode right by me on their hardtails and you know i just kind of hung out and walked a little bit and it eventually dried out and got to a car wash, but, uh, and then, you know, it was the, the morning of the last day. And I was like, man, I got a hundred and, you know, 130 miles to do in nine hours. I'm like, man, if I'm at home, I can definitely do this, you know, <laughs> or like maybe, maybe do this. And, uh, seeing, seeing the guy that I thought was ch- still chasing me, you know, admit that he dropped out, you know, it's just behind the scenes on, this real story of what's going on. Cause I'm just riding my bike in three in the morning. And, uh, you know, he's like, man, I know you're going to get the record or get really close to it. And on that, that last day, man, I like really push, push that 190 miles. And, uh, and I kind of fell apart like the last 10 miles at the end, like where it's kind of just all service road. And it was like really cool for me to, to see how thin that line sometimes is of like when we push ourselves and, and like, um, and also when I got into town, the Tucumcari, it's an old Route 66 town and there's like neon signs and stuff. And I just blasted, you know, with all this energy and you get to this mural, that's the finish and there's nobody there. And, you know, <laughs> you just, you, you do this big, this big thing, you know, that you've been telling everyone about that's like, you know, that you've worked up for and like, it's just kind of like life's another day tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's just really cool and special to meet some people this year out there and, uh, you know, share it with other riders and like other events that I see. And, you know, uh, other people mention, you know, they're they're real like marketed and stuff. And and I always end up like riding my bike from my house, you know, and it's always an out and back. But when you get out there and you have camping gear and you're going one way and you're you're going as far as you can go, you're not going back home. You know, this is home right now. And like yeah. the, you know, the way you live and the, what you carry are, is, is not at all what I would use day to day. And it's so crazy how your body like 
becomes into a different person, like a totally different routine. And then you finish yeah. this event. And as soon as you like sit back in your bedroom where I am now, you know, you just fall right back in the, yeah. the same routine. Yeah. We're very adaptable. I want, uh, I want you to tell me or touch on, you said 10 miles to the finish. You, I think you said you broke down. Uh, yeah. what do you mean by that? Physically, emotionally, mentally, like, yeah. Um, I had a big tailwind. above. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean like definitely, you know, yeah, broke down at the end, like emotionally for sure. But, uh, you know, I wanted to do that, but, uh, uh, like, uh, I just like stopped to take my leg warmers off. I'm like, uh, I, I had, you know, my ride picking me up. I was like, but you don't, don't, don't have to be there when I finish, you know, I was like, I, I'm, I'm doing this not for people to cheer me on, you know, you know, I'm doing it's, you know, and I, I kind of want to celebrate it in my own way. And, uh, I'm very much, uh, a lone person, but when I see other people riding out there, on course, it is the most special, special thing to me. And uh totally lost track of the question you just asked me. Oh, but, what happened in the last 10 miles when you broke down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I took my leg warmers off. And there's just a couple rolling hills on this route, old Route 66. Just nothing out there. And it was just a grind, man. I would just had pushed so hard. It's and and this year I'd never realized how cool the last you get to the Texas, New Mexico state line, the last day last 200 miles there's like one stop and well i think it's the last 150 miles it's there's only one stop texas new mexico line and then and i and i was pushed so hard towards that and then after that there's like this really cool 13 mile section that's like not always usable and the dot stopped me and they were like you can't go this way this is this is closed there's mud up there i'm like this is the way i'm like doing this for time (laughs) And they're like, and they're like, where are you going? I'm like, to Tucum car. They're like, you're going the wrong way. Like these guys were serious. They're, and they're like, well, whatever, man. They're, they're like, well, I guess we'll give you a ride through the mud. You know, it had rained earlier in the week and there was big ruts everywhere. But I was like, you know, just staying off to the side of them. And, you know, there's a lot, super lot of elevation there that last day climbing into New mm-hmm. Mexico. And, uh, well, for me anyway, you know, it's not the right. tour divide, but, uh, 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 and I just, I, I gave it all, man. I really did give it all. And, uh, th- there was a lot of the ride that I rode at like my comfortable pace. And like, I'm really happy with that and really happy with how it turned out. Cause if I did beat the record, I'd want to, I'd want to, uh, really crush it and, uh, you know, and really be proud of what I did. And, uh, and, you know, I basically did close to 190 miles a day, but one day, was like uh, a hundred and I think one day was like 160. So that gave me time to like rest also. So I was able to like push way harder than I normally like should have, but like I would have been disappointed if I, it, it was just, it was just cool because I've just had so much good luck. Like not my knees just felt like super tight, super stiff. And, uh, and it just been a lot of fatigue, you know, Achilles, you know, I'd, moved my cleats all the way back and lowered my saddle probably two inches over the course of the ride. Wow. And like was really sitting into the bike, you know, and that made me feel like way more comfortable, but, but yeah, man, I was just like, I was just like beat. And, you know, like for me, it was getting to that wall and having a good cry and, mm-hmm. you know, 
like just in like soaking it in because it's not a race when I'm out there. You know, I think about it. I think about it all the time and I build it up. But when you're out there, you're being so genuine with yourself and it's dumb. But for me, I wanted to take more pictures than anything this year. And I, and I felt like I got to do that. So I'd probably be real fast if I could just stay on the bike, you know, and stop goofing off. But I definitely tour in my own way and just like, you know, it's such a special, special route for me. Yeah. You get to do it however you want to. That's the, that's the beauty of it. One thing I'm, I'm noting, and I'm sure you've thought about this as well is like Dana, you said he slept 12 hours over the five and a half days. Um, you were sleeping what, six hours a night. So you slept like 30 ish plus hours. Uh, so I mean like, it, it says two things, and this is something I've thought of and talked about before, is like, what's more efficient, going a little bit slower, sleeping less, and and like getting there faster possibly, or sleeping more, sleeping longer, and having a fresher body and giving yourself that reset? Because obviously, like if you were sleeping 30 hours versus 12 you were pushing a much faster pace, but probably part of that was due to the fact that you were actually resting and giving your body uh, some rest. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the margin there is pretty thin and you can play around with the speed versus sleep, you know? Yeah, I think a big thing is like finding that flow state for you. Like uh, once you stop thinking about the computer and riding your bike and you're you're just like a, like a paper airplane and you just like let it go and you're kind of watching yourself and you, you put the hard work in. So, you know, and yeah, just watching it go by. I like that paper airplane. That's a good analogy. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was your food. You had mentioned in your email, like pre-sorted meals that you could just add water to. I was curious if you could expand on like what you were doing there. Yeah. Um, so on the rat itself, you know, I usually take like a ton of cliff bars and stuff like that. And, and, you know, uh, electrolyte patch- packets and stuff like that for, but definitely for like entry level bike packing or small adventures, I've had like really good luck with, uh, like oatmeal with candied pecans and like, uh, even just the oatmeal packet, just pouring hot water into, or, you know, just taking a couple like small pre-prepared meals, like it becomes like real packable. That that first time I tried to meet up with those rat guys, I, I carried like water for coffee. You know, also like there's always a lighter weight option to like have enjoy a cup of coffee and you can have a, like a special treat. It might not be, you know, the cafe quality for some people, but you can get little Starbucks pre-mixed, you know, cappuccino or whatever, you know, not my normal kind of drink, but you know, when I'm out there roughing it, sometimes I like something a little extra sweet or something like that, you know? Yeah. I don't really drink Red Bull a whole lot, like never in my daily life, but if I'm on like a hard ride, I'll definitely like a Red Bull is, I don't drink, I don't drink soda at all. The only time I drink soda is whenever it's, uh, I'm on a bike, trip like either a long bike ride or a bike packing trip and it's hot as fuck there's something about cold coca-cola whenever i'm doing that that just it satiates me in a way that nothing else can and i never i don't even i don't want to drink it at any other time so i don't know there's those things that you just kind of crave when when you're out there what was what was your final time 
So I guess it was like five days, 13 hours, something like that. Okay. So I guess Dana would have finished in five days, just under 11 hours. And I finished five days, just under 12 hours. Like it's, you know, two minutes, one minute till, you know, it was like exactly an hour. And, uh, you know, I got no official time from Kevin. Uh, I don't really need one. You know, I hope someone goes and disputes it or whatever, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> Kevin does his, his thing and I'm, I'm really grateful for him and he's a super unique guy and how he runs his event is, is how he does it. But I definitely feel like there's steam and, you know, there's a lot of cool gravel out in Texas. That's like, some of it's known about some of it's not. And there's like, just a lot of like real cool dirt out there. That's surprisingly smooth and like, you know, running way less tire pressure than I would ever run around town, you know, out here with tons of, tons of weight on your bike, you know, but, uh, I think, I think, you know, more people come out, there'll definitely be like more, more stuff going on. And I think this next year, uh, there'll be more of a touring, touring party, uh, atmosphere because Kevin himself is going to be, you know, taking on the rat and, you know, 10 days is a lot more digestible for a lot oh, of people. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, if, if you, you ride, get the time off work. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, seven days isn't, isn't unrealistic, you know, uh, you know, I think that's, that's really good. And, and, you know, and I finished, you know, with some hand numbness and stuff, but, uh, was 100%. And for me, you know, my big thing after the rat in 2019 and last year is I went to this Volkswagen car show in Austin <laughs> immediately after. So I get the ride back and I immediately go to this, go to top notch burgers and do this cruising. And, and, and it's, it's my carrot on the end of my stick to get done with the race across Texas quick, because in my mind, this is my vacation. This is a lot of time that I'm taking off work to put myself in a place, you know? So it's like, I want to be able to, I'd save myself enough to be able to enjoy the driving down to Austin and the vintage, uh, vintage Volkswagen, which is its own, you know? Yeah. It's on its, its own adventure on its own Yeah, its own adventure on its own, whatever. It's one of the barriers to entry. I feel like for the rat it's, it's only one way, right? So like transportation, how do you get back most people drive, uh, most people don't ride to the start line. Most people are going to drive. So like, I feel like that's one of the barriers is just getting yeah. back to the start line. Um, it sounds like you had a car or a friend pick you up. Is that what most people are doing to get back to the start line? Yeah, I, I believe so. Or, you know, people can link up together. I think there's like a car rental service, like 60 to 80 miles somewhere. But, uh, um, you know, some of us crazy guys dream about riding back to the Metroplex, uh, from Tucumcari, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that, that is a, that is a thing, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm very fortunate. My mother is actually a huge cheerleader for me. You know, I don't really ask her for anything, but she's like, she's super excited to, uh, to root for me. And, uh, and, uh, you know, for the record, I beat her. I was able to ride my bike faster across Texas than she was able to drive. It's <laughs> weird. You get dropped off and you see someone a week later, but it feels like you just saw them yesterday. Yeah. You know, you go, in, yeah, you go into a time warp. Absolutely. 
So, uh, are you doing it again, uh, this year? So we're 20, what year is it? 2023? Are, are you uh, doing it again this year? And if so, what are your, what are your goals? Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing it this year. Uh, not take as many pictures, uh, <laughs> this year. Um, uh, and you know, I'd kind of hoped I would have been done with it and I would have wiped it off my plate. And, uh, I really did spend a lot of time this year saying to myself, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting too old for this. I'm a lot smarter and wiser. And why do I do this? But, you know, you know, like the glory that you remember is literally like forever. And, uh, and, and I'm glad it's unfinished because otherwise I'd have to do the tour the divide or something, you know, and, you know, really get out there, which, you know, that's, you know, getting their bucket list stuff. But, uh, um, but yeah, I want to, I want to put down a really good time, but also like really be true to myself and, uh, and finish like finishing is like number one to me. And I've like, I've, I've tempted the full rat twice and I've been lucky to, to finish it twice. And I see a lot of people that, or, you know, that haven't been able to complete it and they get, you know, discouraged and it may hurt, you know, the, the entry level, but it's, it's always been stuck in my mind. And there, it is kind of like not really talked about or publicized at all because it's kind of hard to coordinate, you know, a race across Texas as one person you know, but I think, I think it could be something that it would demand a lot more accessibility easily. And that would be, and that would happen, that infrastructure would happen if more people were just entered, you know? Yeah. 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 I know it does seem like it's still a grassroots event, man. It's still like, I know like 12 people show up on average, like it's just not super well attended, but it's one that I follow along. I I haven't had anyone on the podcast that's done it before, but I'll tell you what, man, once you cross this one off your list, um, I've got a couple easier routes in Texas. Love to have you out. I've got 400 miles in East Texas and um, I'm about to, uh, release a 450 mile route in central Texas. So my, my goal is to have like the, the triple crown showdown. So my race is called the showdown. Yeah. And so we'll have three routes in Texas. And, you know, if you can win all three, you get the, you'll be the triple crown winner. Oh, wow. and, uh, so I got, I got plans, man. So, uh, once you, once you check the bucket list of the rat, I'd like yes, to sir. see you come and do some damage on one of my one of my routes and see what you can do. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd love to have you out, man. Well, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's been fun to chat with you. I think, you know what? Closing thought, uh, after you do the rat this year, you need to go and do the rat on your tall bike. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That that would be the crowning glory, the crowning achievement uh, of bikepacking right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I've joked about that before, you know, uh, and I would definitely want to stretch it out, stretch the wheelbase out a little bit. That one's just a little willy proned, but it's it's Maybe definitely possible. It's just a build, normal bike. You got to build another one specifically for bikepacking, like endurance yeah. bikepacking. Yeah, because in in Texas we have lifted trucks everywhere, so there should be lifted bikes just the same. Yeah, actually, there should be no lifted trucks. And um, actually, I like what you do at your shop, and and personally, you slam everything. That's great. Yeah. Get them get them lower. Yeah, yeah, it's freaking stupid. How anyway? I wave at all the cars. Like I'm the one guy in the group where the diesel truck that's sounds like he's revving his engine, but he just has no exhaust, and he's trying to putter by. 
I'm like, I just, I'm a cheerleader for it all. The, the exhaust sounds get me motivated riding my bike. I, I'm with you. I wave at everybody. I, I don't, cyclists have a negative, a negative enough perception out there just in society. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to add to that in any way. So like, I don't, I run it. I wave at trail runners, horse users, everybody in a car. Uh, if you try to, I had one guy like kick rocks at me and I flicked him off in his truck. He like spun out and I was like, well, you know, you get the middle finger, but everybody else, you know, I give him a howdy and a wave because, uh, life's too short and we're, we're the losing battle there, right? Like we don't want to be in competition with cars. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll give you a wave I, and a smile. Tall bikes are really bringing that back to our, our domain, I think. And, you know, us riding in groups and stuff, because there are ways of the, the there are ideas to solution to transportation solutions that a lot of people don't like. And, you know, the maintenance on cycling infrastructure is just so much cheaper than like the maintain a car. And it's, it's, there's they're out there and i try to be seen you know i think that's a big deal and that's and there will be a shift i feel like and as we get more and more urbanized and things get closer together there will be a necessary to travel just one miles places hopefully you know yeah. or yeah i feel like i feel like it'll it's definitely only gonna get better yeah from your lips to the bike god's ears i i uh i hope you're right and i hope that uh yes Come on, bike gods, do your work. But I mean, that's what we're here doing. Bikes are death, man. Uh, let's yeah, let's absolutely. spread the word. And I appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast to chat. And uh, I'm sure people will get out inspired. And I bet next time you ride the rat, there's going to be some people that heard this episode and they're going to be like, hey, man, I heard you on Bikes are Death. So awesome. we'll see what Thank happens. You, I appreciate yeah, it dude. so much. It's been awesome. Next time I'm in the area, I'll holler at you. I'll, uh, I want to go for riding your VW and then we'll go for a bike ride. Yeah, let's do it. Let's load the bikes up. <laughs> All right. Right on, dude. All right. Later. Peace out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with my friend Holden. I appreciate him coming on the podcast. Until next week, you know what to do. First thing, don't forget to support this podcast. If you would like to directly support the podcast, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Don't forget to check out my new bike sponsor, Panorama Cycles at panoramacycles.com and Athletic Greens if you want to get some health and wellness in this new year. Of course, you can find out all that information in the show notes. And until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination? Merely folklore. Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Podcast. Okay. <laughs>